Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be speaking to you this morning and again tonight primarily from Acts chapter 13. If you want to be turning there, we'll get there in a moment. Um, Lord willing, I, I want to, with the Lord's help, I want to share some thoughts with you this morning and again tonight on some characteristics of church planting churches. Your pastor said we've planted a couple of churches out of Fellowship Baptist. And I'll be honest with you, when we started that endeavor 10 years ago, I didn't have a clue. I, I had never planted a church. I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. I, I really didn't, didn't know anything about it. I, the only thing I knew about it was when I was a teenager, I would have been maybe 17, 16, 17 years old, uh, our church loaded up a bus and went to what I now understand was an organizational meeting in Johnson, Kansas. Um, but that was the, the closest thing really that, that I had... Uh, been to as far as church planning was concerned and so I I really didn't know that much uh, about it and we've learned a little bit uh, over the last 10 years uh, some things about uh, being a a good uh, sending church and and I think both of our men would would tell you today that Fellowship Baptist Church has been a good sending church and so we're just going to try to share uh, some of those things with you uh, during our, our time together, and uh, in the evening service, we're going to talk about a couple of uh, really, really practical things uh, that you can do uh, for your uh, church planters, and uh, then, then we're going to talk a lot about just some philosophical things, about um, a, a mindset and, and a philosophy um, that, that you ought to have and, and that we ought to have at uh, Fellowship Baptist Church. Um, we're also going to look at Acts chapter 11 uh, because that is really where the church, we're going to read about the church of Antioch in chapter 13, but it's in Acts chapter 11 uh, where the church actually uh, got started. And uh, I'm guessing that they had no idea that it was through them that God was going to organize one of the greatest missionary breakthroughs in the history of the world. It was from Antioch that Paul and, and Barnabas launched the Christian movement into Asia Minor. And then, of course, Paul carried it on into Europe. And I don't think it's an exaggeration at all to say that we are gathered here today because of the work that God started in Antioch. God called Paul and Barnabas, and he intended for them to be sent on a mission that would change the world. And I stand here this morning to tell you that it changed mine. And, and here's how. In the mid-1950s, a man by the name of Weldon Avery came to liberal Kansas with a desire and a vision to plant an independent Baptist church. And after doing what, what church planters do, that is knocking on doors and, and, and winning people to the Lord, preaching the gospel, 
that little group of people starting meeting together as the Fellowship Baptist Mission. The official records of the church state that on November the 13th in 1955, pastors and laymen from other churches in Kansas, Johnson, Kansas, and Elkhart, Kansas, and then churches from Texas, Pampa, and Border, and Periton, pastors and laymen all came to Liberal. They met at what that time was called the Blue Bonnet Community Hall. And uh, on that evening, they organized the Fellowship Baptist Mission into the Fellowship Baptist Church. Uh, they then called uh, Brother Avery uh, to be their pastor, and, and he served there from 1955 to 1958. Uh, Dick Burkholder was the second pastor, and, and I thought, uh, is Brother Mike in here? Vaughnworth in here? Well, you can pass this on to him. I thought this would, would perhaps be of interest to him as he tries to establish his, his salary and benefits and all of that as they go along. Uh, Brother Burkholder started with a, a, a weekly salary of $95. And then it was raised to $100. And then they raised it to $105. Plus, get this, an $8 gas allowance. <laughs> And then finally, they, they, they raised it to $125 a week. So Brother Michael might just want to look at that as maybe something to start with. He pastored there from 1958 to 1964. Uh, the church without a pastor a few months, and then they called James Falkenberry, who was there until 1966. Uh, following him was Pastor Larry Moff. Uh, stay with I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, was June of 1972. Uh, the next man to serve as pastor was Brother Jake Minnick. And Brother Minnick pastored there from 1972 to 1975, at which time the man who, who became my pastor, uh, Brother Larry Landis, uh, pastored there from 1975 until May of 2000. Now, let me back up just a minute. It was under the ministry of Brother Larry Moff that a, a couple named Ted and Darlene Hoskinson began attending Fellowship Baptist Church and eventually uh, started working with the young people there as, as volunteer youth directors. And it was actually their daughter that first invited me to Fellowship Baptist Church. That was in July of 1976, and in September of 1976 was when I got saved. As your pastor said, my wife and I started serving on the ministry staff there under Brother Landis in uh, June of 1981. And in May of 2000, I assumed the pastor of the church that I was saved in as a bus kid. And all that to say this, I was saved as the result of church planning. And I believe that we have the Lord and the church at Antioch and the obedience of men like Paul and Barnabas to thank for that. You've probably heard this proverb, for one of a nail, the shoe was lost. For one of a shoe, the horse was lost. For one of a horse, the rider was lost. For one of a rider, the battle was lost. For one of a battle, the war was lost. For one of a war, the kingdom was lost. The point of those words is that little things that may seem insignificant in the moment can prove to be monumental in the end. And that being the case, I would say this. Because of a prayer meeting in Antioch, the Spirit spoke. Because the Spirit spoke, men were sent. 
Because men were sent, churches were planted. Because churches were planted, more men were sent. Because more men were sent, more churches were planted. Because more churches were planted, a bus kid was saved. Because a bus kid was saved, more churches were planted. And because more churches were planted, more churches will be planted. Listen, what the Lord did in Antioch is far from insignificant. So as we turn our attention now to Luke's words in, in Acts chapter 13, here's what we read. Now there were in the church that was in Antioch. Those words right there compel us to turn back a couple of chapters to Acts chapter 11 to see how the church was at Antioch came to be. So if you have your Bibles open, just flip back a page or two to Acts chapter 11 and look with me at verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Here's what we know about Antioch. It was about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It boasted a population of, of some 500,000 people. And it was into that bustling, busy city that a group of, of Jewish converts to Christianity came. And they came carrying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. Now initially, we just read it, they were trying to reach the Jews. But then something happened in verse 20 that God blessed in a big way. They started sharing the gospel with non-Jews as well. And the Bible says that a great number of them believed and turned to the Lord. So what do we, what do we learn here? Well, for starters, we learn that the gospel is for everyone. And beyond that, we learn that, that it works everywhere. Listen, Jesus saves everywhere there are people who are willing to share his word. That means that people can be saved within the walls of a church. They can be saved within the cubicles of an office. They can be saved in the classroom of a school. People can be saved in places where steeples dot the skylines. They can be saved in, in jungles where half-naked people still hunt for their food every day. And anywhere the gospel is preached, listen, and people are saved, a church can be birthed. Look at verse 22 of Acts chapter 11. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go uh, as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus uh, for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a, a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in, at Antioch. And so here we see a group of people who had been gathered by the gospel of Jesus are now growing in the grace of Jesus. Isn't it amazing how church planning in the 21st century works just the way it did 
in the days of Acts. The gospel is preached. People are saved. Those saved people are then baptized and discipled and start growing in the grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the next thing you know, they're planting churches. Let's go back to Acts chapter 13. You still with me? Acts 13. Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. All right, characteristics of church planting churches. I've got at least seven of them that I want to share with you. We'll, we'll cover a few of them this morning, and uh, then we'll cover the rest of them tonight. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, church planting churches are always looking to do more. Church planting churches are always looking to do more. Look at verse uh, 2 again. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I had called them. So when I, when I say looking to do more, here's what I mean by that, church. That is opposed to just maintaining. I think it's safe to say that the church at Antioch was not in maintenance mode. Some years ago, an article in the Harvard Business Review titled Market Myopia talked about how some people don't understand what business they're in. For example, uh, the railroad people didn't understand that they were in the transportation business and not just the railroad business. Had they realized that, they would have invested in the airplane. The telegraph people thought that they were just in the telegraph business, when in reality, they were in the communications business. Had they recognized that in 1886 or so, they could have bought all of the telephone patents for about $40,000. But they didn't because they didn't really understand what business they were in. So let me ask you this morning, what is the main business of the church? Now, some would say that, that it's the care of its members. As a matter of fact, a church consultant named Wynn Arn surveyed members of nearly a thousand churches, and he asked them this question, why does the church exist? Of those that were surveyed, 89% said the church's purpose is to take care of my family and my needs. Only 11% said that the purpose of the church is to win the world to Christ. But when the pastors of those same churches were asked why the church exists, the results were just the opposite. 90% of those pastors surveyed said that the, church, the church's purpose is to reach the world. And 10% said that it was to care for the needs of its members. Now, now listen, don't get me wrong. Taking care of people and the needs of people is certainly one function of the church. But I would submit to you this morning that it's not the main purpose. The main purpose of the church is missions. 
not maintenance. To quote one preacher, he said, we are always in danger of slipping into a maintenance mentality in the church where we focus on maintaining our religious club and preserving its sacred traditions and we forget about the lost. In the book of Acts, listen, if the book of Acts is anything, it is a constant indictment of, of mere maintenance Christianity. I mean, you read it and, and you'll find that it is a constant goad and encouragement and stimulation to fan the flame of evangelism. The Son of Man came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Preacher, I believe that God gives himself to the church that gives itself to his mission. A church planting church is one who is giving itself already to the mission of reaching those around them. And, and I don't know a lot about the church here, uh, but from what I've been able to gather over the years and observe via social media, this church is doing more than just maintaining. You're, you're, you're reaching out and you're leading people to Christ and you're ministering to your community. And that's what church planting churches do. That's one characteristic of a church planting church. They're always looking to do more. They're not satisfied with where they are. They're not willing to just hang on until Jesus comes. They understand that God has put them here for a purpose. And that purpose is to reach people where they are and literally around the world. Here's the second characteristic of church planting churches. They are led by men who are sensitive to the Lord's leading. This whole church planting endeavor at Antioch was not the result of the leaders there brainstorming on how to pep up their church program. And, and all of a sudden some brother raised his hand and said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we just plant a church? Absolutely not. It was the result of the Holy Spirit breaking in and telling them what to do. Now, I don't know how that worked. I, I don't know how the Holy Spirit told them what to do, but he obviously did. I mean, he could have spoken outwardly through one of the prophets that are mentioned there in verse 1, or he, he, his call could have been more inward. Uh, than, than outward. That is, he could have spoken to them uh, through his witness in their hearts and minds. I tell you, in my life, as a pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Liberal Kansas, God spoke to me, as it were, through a message at a church planning conference in 2006. Now, obviously, he didn't speak to me audibly, though I heard him through the words of a church planner named Richard McQueen as clearly as if he had spoken to me audibly. That night, Brother McQueen asked this question. How many churches has your church planted? Now, here, here are his exact words. I did not say, how many churches has your church help reproduce? There's a great difference between your church starting a church and your church helping start a church. 
And one of the things the devil wants to deceive us all with, folks, is we're involved, we help, we pray, we give. But is that all the Lord has commissioned us to do? And those words fell on my heart that night like a hammer. And I left Oklahoma City knowing that that was Fellowship Baptist Church's Antioch moment. Now, some would question whether or not a a pastor or a church needs an Antioch moment before they plant a church. I mean, after all, we've got the Great Commission. But I'm just being honest with you this morning. Without that moment, that night, our church, even to this day, would still just be helping churches get started. We wouldn't be actively involved, hands-on, starting churches. It was that moment in time that God spoke to my heart as the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church and said, you need to do more. You you need to get hands-on involved in planting churches. And then let let me say this about church planting churches. They're willing to wait for God's timing. Church planting churches are willing to wait for God's timing. I want you to listen to what one writer said concerning the church at Antioch. He wrote this, The Antioch church did not concoct schemes or map out strategies to reach the Gentile world. Instead, it concentrated on carrying out the ministries that God had already entrusted to it. An important feature, he said, in discerning God's will for the future is to do His will in the present. I want you to listen closely to this next statement. I think sometimes we let the urgency of church planting override the reality of church planting. And I'll explain that. I I came to that conclusion after having a lengthy conversation with a, a fellow pastor who pastors in an area of the country where being a church planter is, is almost a, a status symbol. And in my conversation with him, um, he said he, he gets the feeling that in, in some churches, if you have a man who can read the Bible and, and teach it a little bit, then, then it's almost like a sin for him to still be in your church. It's like, what's he doing there? I mean, he, he, he ought to pack up his family and, and, and move to the closest town without a church and get a job and rent a building and start preaching. To me, that is letting the urgency of church planning override the reality of church planning. Now listen, I get the urgency. I really do. Honestly, I understand the need to plant more churches. And for a number of reasons. Number one, it's one way of fulfilling the Great Commission. Number two, Jesus said to spread the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. 
that covers local missions and national missions and continental missions and global missions, and we're to be doing it all at the same time. I get that. The, the world is needy. Washington is needy. Kansas is needy. Needy. The United States is needy. There's not a needy, there's not an area on the map that is not needy. And people are dying and going to hell, and I get that. And there, there ought to be a sense of urgency. Uh, another reason we ought to be planting churches is because it strengthens the support base for foreign missionaries. I don't know about your pastor, uh, but I get, I, I bet I get six to eight to ten requests from missionaries and church planters every week to come and present at Fellowship Baptist Church. Listen, we need more churches that they can call and go to because Fellowship After Church, even with our size, I can't have everybody. I can't support everybody that calls. And so we need more churches like this one to, to get started and be established who, who can help with the support of, of our foreign missionaries. So please understand me this morning. I understand the urgency of the need. But we need to be careful that in a sense of urgency, we don't send the wrong man to the wrong place at the wrong time where we end up getting the wrong result. You say, well, a preacher, what could possibly be the wrong result? Well, for one thing, he could wash out. In a year or two, like many do. Because at the end of the day, they were pastor sent. They weren't God sent. They were pastor called. They weren't God called. The pastors, hey, you need to get out there and plant a church. And just trying to follow the leadership of their pastor, they pack up their family and they move and they go to go do what they're supposed to do. I mean, there's, there's nothing given to the, 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 the question, has God even called me to preach? Has God even called me to plant a church? Listen, not, everybody, not every man that can read the Bible and teach it is supposed to be a church planner. I mean, I'm sure there are men here that are capable teachers of the Word of God. And if all of you just packed up your families and left to go plant a church, there wouldn't be a Moses Lake Baptist Church. You with me? And so we, we, need, to be, we need to be careful about that. So I guess here's what I'm trying to say. The ministry of church planning is so critical that it must be done right. And part of doing it right is waiting for the Lord to lead. And until he does, we just need to keep busy reaching those he has put within the shadows of our own steeples. Obviously, in your case, you have the right man, and this is the right time, and, and God has confirmed in his heart that Wenatchee is the right place, and I'm excited for them, but that's how it's supposed to work. Uh, God lays it on the pastor's heart, and at the same time, he's speaking to the, uh, to the Bosworth, and, and, and God brings all of that together in his time, not in your pastor's time, not in their time, but in God's time. And then let me give you this last one. We'll wrap it up this morning. Church planting churches recognize, and I kind of got ahead of myself, but they recognize that God calls men. God calls men. Uh, this would be opposed, of course, to 
um, the pastor or the church calling men. You read what I read a moment ago in Acts chapter 13. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. That's key. The Holy Spirit said. The church at Antioch did not choose Paul and Barnabas. Nor did Paul and Barnabas volunteer. God called them through His Spirit. And both Paul and Barnabas and the church recognized that call and cooperated with God in it. I don't want to belabor the point, but I think this is another reality of church planting that often gets overridden by the urgency of church planting. Again, just because a man is saved and can teach the Bible a little bit, doesn't mean he's called to be a church planter. It's just not. And with that, we'll stop, and we'll pick it up again tonight with a few other characteristics of church planting churches. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time together this morning. Lord, thank you for this church who for years now has been busy doing the work of the Lord, reaching the lost, edifying believers, building up the body of Christ. And then, Lord, you've, you've put a man in their midst whom both him and the pastor and no doubt the church now has heard from the Spirit of God. and They've seen your hand upon him. And now, Lord, they're doing what you've called them to do. And, God, we pray that you would bless their effort, bless their endeavor. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that this sermon was an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. If you have any questions about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.